Okay. Just going through God's Word. Uh, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, this is the NLT version, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weaknesses, timid, trembling. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Father, right now I lift this uh, time up to you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to come in this your house, Father, this your people, Lord. I pray that there, uh, that what would come out of this today, Lord, is you, Father, that we would leave this place hungry for you, Lord. They want nothing else but to please you with our lives. want nothing else but to grow in the grace and knowledge of you, Father. You created us. You have a plan for us. You love us. You died on the cross for us. You were buried. You rose again on the third day to pay the price for our sins, Father. And I pray that everyone would walk out of here knowing that and realizing that because that's of first importance of what you did for us, Father. We're Christians, Lord. We want to honor you with our lives and give you the glory, Father, because one day we will be in glory with you, Father. So thank you for this opportunity to be here today, Lord. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. The last few weeks we've been digging in to what I would say that Christians call the truth. Because there is the truth. Uh, January 12th, we started with a message called, What is Truth? Looking at John 8, 31 through 32. And the verses said, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, and we could say that to everyone seating here today who have believed him, who have surrendered their life to him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, We're not talking about any other buddy's teaching but his. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. The word says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I mean, all of us want freedom. All of us want to be set free, but we really can't find true freedom till we find it in Christ. Then January 19th, the message was called, I've been searching so long, and it was from a Chicago song. Chicago 7, uh, you know, I've been searching so long to find an answer. Now I know my life has meaning. And because of Christ, that's the way I look at that song. But we looked at the first seven chapters of the first seven verses of chapter 1 of Romans. And Paul talked about how he was set apart for the gospel of God. And then we found out that those first seven verses were 132 straight words before a period happened. When you look at Romans chapter 1 in the ESV version. January 26, the message was called, It Could Happen to You. And it was, we looked at three life-altering consequences of what happened Should we choose to live our life without this? Should we choose to live our life by suppressing the truth of God's word? And I gave you those three life-altering consequences. The first one was in verse 24 of Romans 1. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts 
to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Then the second life-altering thing happened in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. So it starts with lust, then dishonorable passions. Uh, It says, for their women exchange natural relationships for those who are contrary to nature. And then in verse 28, the third, what I would like to call the final way that God lets us go when we suppress the truth is since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, comma, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. And you think about those three things, and, you know, we watch all the award shows, and that was the next message, Everlasting Awards, and you think about today's culture, and you think about if you want to be popular or you want to be famous, really, you have to suppress the truth of God's Word, and you have to be dishonorable passions in the debased mind when you choose to just suppress the truth of God's word. And we talked about the everlasting wards, and we talked about the five crowns in which the Bible talks about, which we live our lives trying to earn these crowns. Uh, uh, they're obtainable only through Christ. Uh, he works in us and through us. That's the gold. He's the gold, and he awards with us. He awards us the crown of, and I talked about mastery, rejoicing, glory, life, righteousness, and I thought about all the award shows, and I brought it up with the teens today, Dan and Shay. When Dan and Shay won that award in the Country Music Award, he got up there and Dan said, I just want to thank my grandma for teaching me about Jesus, and that's what we should hear in the award shows. Those are the kind of things that we need to hear and cling to because that man is using his platform even though God gave them the gift of good voice. And my wife told me, Dan has a fantastic voice, Nick. You should hear him. But he gives his glory to God, and that's the difference between the real awards. And then February 9th was about using the truth to lead, and I talked about leadership in the church. I talked about elders. I talked about deacons. Uh, And I made this statement, a biblical model of church leadership is necessary for the church to display the glory of Christ in its worship and in its witness. And then last week, Nate Barefield laid it out with a message called, What Do I Do With the Truth?, which was a great question. And he was teaching us from Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31 concerning the rich man and Lazarus. And he made these two statements, which I'd like to share again with you. The rich man isn't in hell for ignoring Lazarus, and he certainly isn't in hell because he's rich. The rich man is in hell as a result of a choice. I truly agree with that. Because someday we all have to make that choice. I was sharing with the teens today. We all have to make that choice because one day we're going to stand before him and give an account. Did we surrender our lives to him? Did we tell him we're sorry for the sins we've committed and, and choose to live our life following him and acknowledging him and sharing him with others? And he also, Nate also said, this parable was told with a message of hope and warning, responding true to the truth by faith. So today I would like to close out this series about truth with a message called, What is the Truth? And I want to look at two places in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
the first fill-in is, the truth is, we should always want to follow it. Always want to follow it. And he says here, here's Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. He's, he was like his disciple leader. He, he brought him up in the faith, uh, helped him become a good pastor at the church at Ephesus. But at verse 6, it says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of good teaching that you have followed. And when you look at that word nourish, you know, I'm, I'm into this synonym thing, man, looking up what they mean. And you look at the word nourish, the synonyms are cultivate, nurture, promote, feed or foster. And I look at those words and I think that should be the goal of every church. That should be the goal of every minister to cultivate the word of God, to nurture the word of God, to promote or feed or foster. Just like that Joe and Melissa Leveling are fostering those kids, they're cultivating them. They're nurturing them. They're promoting with them the things of God. And they're feeding them not only food and taking care of them and raising them. They're feeding them the word of God. And they're doing that back there right now. And the truth is we should always stay away from non-truths. Because that's what he's talking about in there. In verse 7 he says, Have nothing to do with the godless myths and old wives' tales Rather, train yourself up to be godly. He said that in verse 7 for Timothy. He's telling his student Timothy not to believe in godless myths or old wives' tale. And I didn't come down here today to cut down wives, but the name old wives' tales probably comes from the fact that older women would often pass down their advice to the younger generation in forms of saying that were easy to remember. Uh, I looked up on Google or what charlatan calls gargle. Old wives' tales are a type of superstition, often taking the form of short, clever sayings, meaning to pass along wide advice. Most old wives' tales contain exaggerated or false claims. Now, growing up, tell me if you heard any of these old wives' tales. Feed a cold, starve a fever. After you finish eating, you have to wait an hour before you go swimming. Eating carrots improves your eyesight. An old, <laughs> old wives' tales that if you pick up a penny on the sidewalk, you have good luck. An old wives' tale says an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And this is the one I heard growing up because I used to sit real close to the TV to see fathers knows best. I mean, I was in love with his wife. I was like 10 years old. The old. That sitting too close to the television screen will make you go blind. Maybe that's why I have trifocals today. Uh, old wives tale that if you pull a gray hair out, two more will appear in its place. An old wives tale that if your ears are ringing, then somebody's talking about you. And I thought to myself, my ears are ringing because of the 70s music. You know what I'm saying? Three old wives' tales that spilling salt brings bad luck. That eating chocolate causes acne. That cracking your knuckles gives you arthritis. They're like wives' tales. 
And some people think that they can survive because of old wives' tales because they think they offer comforting advice about common experiences uh, that we worry about yet have little control over. And I thought to myself, the truth is, no Christ, no hope. I don't care how much you think you're in control in this life. Paul also mentioned myths and endless genealogies in the first chapter of 1 Timothy. He says this, I urge you when I went to you in Macedonia, stay here in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Think about it. Is there any controversial speculations going on now in this world? Is there any myths or genealogies talked about in this world? So the truth is we need to advance God's work by faith. So important. He says in 1 Timothy 1.5, The gold of this command, my young son Timothy, is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The truth is we should always seek to understand his goals for us. Why? Because in verse 6 and 7 it says, Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. You hear any meaningless talk going on today in the news? They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. And when you look up confidently, it means boldly or self-confidently or securely or positively. But in these cases, when it comes to controversial speculations or meaningless talk, it's really all about agendas or philosophies or viewpoints or culture or Hollywood. Counter-beliefs which goes against the truth in God's Bible. So if we go back to chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, I would like to say the truth is godliness has value with a promise. He says in verse 8 through 11, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and of life to come. This is a trustworthy saying deserves full acceptance that if that is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially those who believe, command and teach these things. That's why we labor and strive. That's why we work hard. That's why we as parents raise our teens and our kids to know Christ because we're going to stand before him one day and give an account for that. Think about it. Everybody God puts in your path, whether they're your children or your neighbors or your friends or your relatives, we need to set an example for them. And, and it's so true that godliness has value 
with a promise that we can look forward to that hope that we have, that we spend time in his word, spend time learning the gospel, spend time sharing the gospel, spend time doing things to uh, proclaim the gospel and advance the gospel. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. The next uh, feeling is the truth is we must set an example. And I saw five ways that he talked about in, in verse 12. He says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Set an example for the believers in speech and in conduct and in love and in faith and purity. That's what ministry is all about. That's what youth ministry is all about. That's what kids ministry is all about. Women's ministry, men's ministry. So that we can teach people to understand, even though you might be 10 years old, you might be 90 years old. Set an example for believers in the first area is speech. And I tried to look for an example from God's word to show you what it means to set an example in speech. And it was from Matthew 12, says this, you brood of vipers, <laughs> Jesus didn't really mess around a lot of times. You know what I mean? He just laid it right out. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Isn't that true? What we're putting in our hearts is what we're speaking about. It's incredible. And I, I was talking to the teenager today, and I was talking about that young girl, Billie Eilish, who I saw winning all these awards. And I was in the uh, bookstore the other day, and I thought, well, I'll see what her album is. And I shared with them, I want to tell you the titles in her album today. And these are the people that are, that really evil uses teenagers to follow after, man. And I'm not talking about the green hair, man. You can have green hair and follow Christ. You can have purple hair and follow Christ. But when I looked at the titles of her song, I just cried, man. Here's the title of her song. Song number one is just like seven explanation points. Song number two, bad guy. Song number two, zanny, whatever that means. Song number four, you should see me in a crown. Song number five, all good girls go to hell. Song number six, wish you were gay. Song number seven, when the party's over. B-side, song number eight, and I, I got excited. about. I mean, this girl's got to be on fire. Her song number eight, the title is number eight. I mean, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, I'm trying to be sarcastic. Number nine, my strange addiction. Number 10, buried a friend. Number 11, I don't even know what it means. I-L-O-M-I-L-O. -L -L -O. I guess I'm out of, out of sorts. Number 12, listen before I go. 13, I love you. 14, goodbye. That's heavy. We got so many a problem with teenage suicide in the United States, and you're going to write a song, goodbye? Think about it. Seriously. And these are the people that we set up as heroes. You know what I mean? These are the people we give awards to and worship and cherish. And that's a sad thing. And we need to teach the truth from God's word so that when teenagers see things like this, hear things like that, thinking, man, this girl needs Christ. This girl needs to come to a saving knowledge of knowing Christ. 
So Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you or evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. That's why your heart is so important. And what you're reading and what you're watching and what you're listening to affects what's inside your heart. Because we have this void in our heart and we're filling it things with not the truth. We're being deceived and then we're just going down. Then the lust happens, then the dishonorable passions happen and we see it. And then it goes on down. It's very sad. But then he goes on and Jesus says, but I tell you. And this is the bottom line verse, man. Don't forget verse 36 and 37 the rest of your life. Because we as Christians will stand before him. I'll tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. That's a powerful verse, man. It really gets you to think back on the times where you said things that, you know, out of anger or out of strife or out of jealousy or out of guilt or out of pride. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned. That's Jesus talking. I believe it. It's the truth from God's word, and think about it. And when you think about those, that verse, the best thing I can say is, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because we have the kind of God that we can go to, that when we fall short, when we do things in the flesh, or do things out of anger, that we can go to him and ask him, to acquit those things, you know what I mean? To get rid of those things in our heart. So speech is important if we want to set an example. The next one's conduct. You know, conduct, how we live our life. First Peter 3 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I mean, every day, I mean, when I get up on Sunday and I come to church, I'm coming because I revere God. I revere him. He's my Lord and Savior, and I want nothing else but to show up into his house, which is this, and be a part of our church family. I love our church family. I love every one of you, and I'm thinking to myself, we have to prepare each other because our conduct is going to make a difference for him. So we revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Seriously, I don't mean to come down here and cut down Billie Eilish. I just want to show you she's a product of the world. She's a product of what the world is promoting as truth when it's not true. You know what I mean? She's just lost, just like we were once. We used to be Billie Eilish. I used to be Billie Eilish. I used to not know Christ. I used to make fun or have dirty jokes or cuss or whatever or do the things that God wouldn't want me to do. But then that day when the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ came upon my heart and I surrendered my life to him, everything changed. Not overnight. Not overnight. Because you call it sanctification, and sanctification is a process. Write down Hebrews 2.11. Look at it later on in the NIV version. Because it says both he who is sanctified and those who are being sanctified 
or all of one. So we come to church to grow. We come to church to fellowship. We come to church to bring our needs with each other. And at the same time, and I see it in the community groups when they get together, we come to bring what God has taught us this week. Maybe some nugget of scripture that we've learned. You know, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Man, I can't tell you, man, this week, man, the Lord's put on my heart what I'm supposed to do with people who don't know the Lord. And the truth is, walk in wisdom towards them without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everybody. That's the kind of truth we want to live by. It's unbelievable. All things have been created by him, things in heaven and earth, whether they be throne, uh, powers, dominions, uh, all things have been been created by him and for him. Do not be deceived. You know, don't let philosophy or empty deceit get a hold of you. Not by the traditions of men or the basic principles of the world or according to Christ. So knowing the word helps our conduct. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior, good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So just stay strong in your conduct. Stay strong in your speech. The third way Paul said in love to Timothy. Set an example of believers in speech and conduct and in love. In Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves other has fulfilled the law. It's unbelievable, man. It can always come back to love. Everything. Everything in your life can come back to love. Love for the Lord. Love for your spouse. Love for your neighbor. Love for your brothers and sisters. It's so important. And that's what we owe each other. Love. That's our debt that we have to pay. Love. And then in faith. Number four in faith. 1 Corinthians 4.2 now is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. It's from God's word. We've been given this trust of knowing Christ and acknowledging him as our Lord and Savior. So it's required of us to work out our salvation, to be faithful. Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. And number five, purity. Oh, my gosh. Purity, purity. Whew. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. It is God's will, God's will, that you should be sanctified. And there's that sanctification again, which means to be set apart, which means to be different from the world, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Think about it. And if you start suppressing the truth of God's word, you will fail at that. You will fail at that. Your body will become unhonorable, unholy, not in the passionate lust like pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such things, sins as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 
Seriously. It's so important. I'd like to close this series with these truths and the rest of these verses here in 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16. Until I come. I mean, truth. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, which we do every week here, to the preaching and teaching, which we do every week here. Do not neglect your gift. And he's talking to everybody sitting here. We've all been given a gift by the Holy Spirit, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So the truth is, when it comes to truth, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone will see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What verses to live by. Lily McIntyre's 18 years old today. I'm excited about that. What could we pass on her today as a church family? Be diligent. Be diligent in these matters when it comes to God's word. Give yourself wholly to them. It's the truth. It's not, it's the absolute truth. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And I truly believe that God alone is the one that saves. But Christians can be God's instruments to bring about the salvation of others. To show them the hope that you have because of his truth that we find in every word in the Bible. Come on up. Come on up, Dan. Truth. Next week, I'm going to start a series that my wife's been on me for three years to talk about. Nick, I want you to talk about heaven. Why don't you talk about heaven? She's been asking me that for three years. I'm going to start next week. Every word of God is flawless. Proverbs 35 through 6, when those people knock on your door from other religions, they want to talk to you about Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, whatever, Scientology, whatever. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. That's the truth. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Come on up, ushers. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, I pray as I brought about these verses, Lord, that something happened in each one of our hearts, like an explosion that really David Crowder talked about, an explosion that happens when a collision that happens when our spirit and and your spirit collides with each other, Father. And what comes out of that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Father, those things happen when our spirit collides with yours. Father, if there's someone in here that today realizes for the first time that we will not understand truth until we understand your word, I thank, I pray that that happens today. Father, I pray as we turn on the news or we see the things happening in the world that we line them up with your truth, that we think about the relationships with their, and that we line them up with their truth. When we think about raising our kids, that we line them up with your truth. When we think about walking in this world and be, making a difference for you, that we line them up with your truth, Father. 
Father, I pray that you bless our offering today. Father, bless those who give. Father, bless their socks off, Father. I don't know how to say it. Maybe that's the uh, easy way of saying it. But it says when you give, it'll be pressed down and shaken together and running over for the with, with you use it, it'll be given back to you, Father. That when you give at a sincere heart and a cheerful heart, Father, that you will provide things for us that we have never understood or seen before. Marriages being strengthened, relationships being strengthened, uh, finding favor at our job, finding favor on the highway. Father, teach us to be givers for you, Father. That we give because we love you, Father, and you first chose us and loved us, Father. I give you the glory, Lord, as we open up this altar, Father. I would want nothing else but to pray for someone, Father, to either know you or to grow closer to you, or maybe there's someone here that wants to pray for a friend that doesn't know you. Father, I give you the glory for this day. This is your day, Father. This is your church family, Father. I love them, and I know how much you love them, and I can't even fathom that, Father, in, in my earthly mind. But I know in my heart, Father, that we need to seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto us, Father. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>